is Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. Coming off a big win, Colorado beating UCLA in the first game of the season, 48-42. to We'll break down that game, look ahead to Stanford coming up next week. As always, I'm Tyler Walgie. To my right, Jared All. Jared, how are you? How about them Buffaloes, boys? Buffs? Feeling good. Nothing like coming off of a win week one. Absolutely, man. Uh, producer extraordinaire, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how are you? Good, guys. How are you guys? Uh, it's great to come back after a big W. Big W, absolutely, man. I, I'm doing good. It's a good Tuesday. Feeling good. Yeah, get Tuesday. some cold weather rolling in. Got a little snow over the weekend. That's I like nice. it. I'm, re- I'm ready for the chilly weather. It's football weather. It reminds me of uh, Folsom Field. Well, I mean, f- every- beautiful afternoons remind me of Folsom. But look, this this kind of weather, it's a little chilly. That's football weather right there. So I love it, man. It, it was really hard to watch that game with an empty stadium. It was just, uh, I know. It, it broke me just like watching that the very first, the kickoff. It just like, oh, I should be there right now, man. I, I did see some fans, though, and I'm wondering are those parents yeah. are those because there were 500 people there according to some reports yeah i don't know exactly but each team in the pac-12 is allotted so many um for home team and, and for away team uh, fans it's family yeah F- you so, know, parents, so family parents yeah. things like that yeah. okay because i'm going if there's 500 people getting to go to these games and i'm not one of them i would be thoroughly upset i don't know tyler i'm just going to go ahead and assume we are not one of the top 500 donors um in the cu uh, (laughs) organization you know what i give them 40 hours a week i better be one of those 500 (laughs) i just saw some of the fans there was like a a group of three people probably again family friends i'm not sure and cu scores a touchdown and two of them one's holding up a scobuff sign you know, the others cheering, and then there's a girl like texting on her phone. I'm like, there's a ticket going to waste right there. We got 500 of them. We got to make them count. But either way, uh, 48 42, Buffs get the big win. And uh, like I said, we'll break this game down and then get ahead to uh, Colorado at Stanford coming up next weekend. But reaction to Colorado UCLA, I want to start off talking about the running back position, Jarek Broussard. 31 carries, 187 yards, three touchdowns, and he did win the Pac-12 Player of the Week. We were concerned. Alex Fontenot out. And look, what happens often throughout football, doesn't matter whether you're talking the NFL or college, when your main running back goes down and you don't know what you have behind you, it's, it's a scary situation to be in. And I think all of us last week wondering... How good is Broussard going to be? What's the percentage of carries he's going to get? I was blown away by this guy. By by halfway through in the first quarter, I'm like, oh, okay, I see why now. So I was ecstatic about it. I think that as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a great year. What do you guys think of the running situation for CU? Yeah, I think he's going to make such a great one-two punch with Alex Fonsenau when he's back and in play. But, I mean, you just you, you have to be excited. I mean, that the juice that he brings to that position, it's something that's been lacking since, I mean, what, Philip Lindsay? Can we even say he had that kind of juice to him? I mean, I mean that was the breakaway <laughs> speed that we haven't seen in, in several years. And, and Jarek Broussard's a name you've heard quite a lot about in the last couple of years, but you kind of kept waiting to see him get on the field. And is he really that good? He absolutely proved he is worth the hype. Yeah, I, I want to give a lot of credit to the offensive line. I mean, you don't um, you don't run the ball 59 times 
for an average of four and a half yards a crack if your offensive line's not performing. Um, and yeah, I think Broussard looked really good, but you know the guys that spelled him also did very well. And you have to look at five touchdowns on the ground that you're going to win a lot of football games doing that. Now, I love the approach, and CU did come out and throw the ball a little bit. I loved Sam Neuer. We'll get to him in a second, but you know Jerry Broussard again, huge day. And you're right, Ryan. We do have to credit the offensive line. I thought everyone looked exceptional on the offensive line. Maybe a couple hiccups here or there from Casey Roddick. I saw him repeatedly p- pounding the grass after, you know, maybe getting rolled up on a few. Well, not rolled up on, but uh, beaten a couple times. But he's a sophomore. It was his first start. We talked about this last week. Uh, the other sophomore on the line, Frank Phillip. I, I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see. I mean, the, the edge rushers were not a presence uh, in the passing game, certainly. But even you know, on the outside runs, you really saw a lot of space. As a former offensive lineman, as well, if you're not hearing your name post game, that's a good sign. No, exactly. And I thought everyone did very well. And the, and the coaching staff did a good job of spreading the runs out. They didn't get reliant on running to the left side of the line, going behind those seniors, those those bigger guys with experience. It, it, it seemed even now during some of the. Uh, I'd say you know third down some of the bigger plays maybe they did tend to go to the left but I was I was very impressed with going right going left mixing it up over and over I want to point out Darren Chevrini and the game that he called I think he called an absolute phenomenal game he played to his players strengths I think Sam Neuer was put in a position to be successful that's what you asked for a quarterback coming in for his first start I think there was a lot of good situations that he was put in I cannot think of a better way for Darren Chevrini to have called that game for this offense but, but you see the difference in head coaches, right? Because Darren Chivarini, he's been part of the offense for a long time, and this was the first time. Man, I, I usually don't venture too deeply into the whole play calling, right? The, these guys have been around football for decades in most cases. They know football. They know what they're doing. Nothing drives me crazier than hearing you know, the fans on their couch who, you know, they Four, don't have fourth a lot and of, two. What are you running exactly, a QB oh, for? And, and just you know picking off all these different play calls. I don't love that, but what I saw this weekend—the quarterback sneaks, the no nonsense plays—you know, getting up to the line, slowing it down, speeding it up. I saw so many good, positive things. And again, Shiverini's been with this team for a long time. I think the head coach, Carl Durrell, has had a huge impact in the approach. We know he's not going to take over play calling or anything like that. But it's the general approach that the head coach sets, the the tone he sets, and I, I love the play calling. So I thought that was good. They put Sam Neuer in some good spots. And uh, before we move on from uh, Jarek Bassar, did I mention Pac-12 Offensive Player of the you Week? You did, yeah, and I yeah, think absolutely huge. justifiably so. Uh, 31 carries, 187 yards, yeah. and those three touchdowns. That's huge. He did look a little banged up on the side, though. I mean, look, you get that many carries, 31, you're, you're going to get some nicks and bruises. He kept but. coming in and out, though. I'm thinking it in just this speculation here. I'm thinking it may have been a cramp yeah, issue. Yeah. That yeah. he was just, I mean, man, the, the dude took a, the load. I think <laughs> by the end of it, I think he was worn out out and his body was starting to tell him to back off a little bit. Um, again, before we get to Sam Neuer, um, 59 carries on the team. As we said, 31 Jared Broussard, 13 of those from Sam Neuer, 3 from Joe Davis, and then 9 from Jaron Mangum. So, Jaron Mangum and Joe Davis getting the rest of the carries from the running backs, but Jaron Mangum was not very productive. He had 6 yards on 9 carries. He did have the touchdown, but I, I think it's 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 telling that this new coaching staff starts Broussard. I mean, obviously the kid's electric, and that's why. But Jaron Mangum has never really lived up to that hype. He was one of the highly touted recruits coming into Boulder, and he seems to be getting passed up over and over. So, I mean, 
I don't want to close the book or I don't want to, you know, overreact to this, but Joe Davis comes in, gets three, uh, 13, uh, 13 yards on three carries and he looked good. So, I mean, right now on the, on the depth chart, Jaron Mangum listed behind Jared Broussard and then Joe Davis third, they're all sophomores. Broussard, a true sophomore, but still, I mean, any cause for concern from your point of mind, from your point of view with Jaron Mangum? I will say if there was, you know, if there was one spot to look at on this offense that wasn't great, it, it was Jaron Mangum, and that's not unique to this game. I think when you look back last year, I mean, I won't say he wasn't good last year, but you never really saw that breakout performance from him that I think we all expected. I, I really thought going into last year that he may overtake that starting spot by the end of the year, right. and he just really hasn't shown that ability to break out, and we'll see. He's still a young kid. I think he's still got a lot of development. A lot of these kids, when they come out of high school, they're the best kid in their high school, and so when they go to a team where all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, I, I have to now compete. I have to learn how to be better than these guys. I really do think there's an impact to that and I think he's still growing through that yeah I think with young kids too you, you got to take into the mental aspect of it um and not not only is that but you said uh Broussard had 31 carries uh yeah Broussard 31 carries, 31 yeah. when you can't get in a rhythm as a young guy and you see other young guys around you especially around the same age it's really hard to get into a groove and a rhythm and kind of build that lather up to 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 get those uh, meaningful carries. Yeah, well, look, he's going to get more carries this week. Until Alex Fontenot's back, Jaron Mangum's going to be a big part of this offense. But second on the team in carries, Neuer the Destroyer. 13 for 64, one touchdown. And again, that was carries. In the air, he threw 20 of 31, 257 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Jared, you mentioned that the coaching staff put him in good situations, and they did. But it's up to him to make the plays. Great decision-making, uh, combined with great play-calling. He's got a fantastic arm. I mean, we talked about his physicality, how he can run. We know he's going to carry the ball a lot this year. I was really impressed with his accuracy, his touch, when he had to go downfield, his arm strength. I mean, nothing really. Th there was nothing where I'm walking away from this game going, yeah, maybe if Neuer can work on this or this. I mean, the dude looks ready to go. I am so encouraged from what I saw from Sam Neuer in this game. He played within himself. I think he understands he is not Steven Montez. He is not Sefa Lufau. He knows he does not have that necessarily NFL arm that those guys have, but he was on target. He made quick decisions. You did not see him dancing in the pocket when it wasn't there. He got on, he used his feet and got out of the pocket, made something happen. I, uh, to your point, I cannot look back at a single play, a single thing where you're going, ooh, that was bad. Right, and, and even with Cepho Lufau, Steven Montez, it's like, we did that all the time. There were plays, and, and you could blame the coaching staff, right? The head coach is going to get a lot of credit when they win and get a lot of blame when they lose, and I do believe Carl Durrell has instilled this feeling amongst the team, but Sam Neuer, he's a senior. He's been around for a long time. I think that helps with the composure and understanding where to go with the football, even though he's new in this system, I think that he did a great job, and I'm so proud of him. He came out and proved that he's this, the, the quarterback of this team. But what the heck was the deal with Tyler I, I was Lytle? hoping you were going to go there. <laughs> what is this? I think it was 11, 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. 
And Tyler Lytle's out there because uh, apparently they were gonna get him some snaps or give me get him comfortable. Yeah, and I don't it, understand. Well, 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 the score was what twenty-one to seven, I think, at the time. It, I think they like they that. had had nothing but just successful drive, successful drive, and then you bring Tyler Lytle in, and understandably so, it was a drive that fizzled and went nowhere. I think he was two for two for like four yards yeah. or something like yeah. that. I, that. That's not a fair spot to put him in. That's not a spare a fair spot to put the rest of your offense in. I, I, that makes no sense. You know what that felt like to me? That was a participation trophy. Yeah, exactly. That was, oh, you didn't win, but we don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. So here, you get a series two. Don't feel too bad. That's exactly what that was. And again, he completed two of two passes, but the offense sputtered. And you could tell it was not the same offense with Tyler Lytle out there. It looked completely different. Yeah, you, you have to look at the fact that you were up 35 to 14 by the time he started to come in. Yeah. Um, that's what, what, was that's, it thirty five fourteen? Yeah. So, well, I'm just looking at the box score. I, I can't well, remember but, but the I exact was, time was, stamp was, when he came er, in. It was early in the second. So I think it may second. have been closer to. So you're still up thirty five fourteen, and that's kind of when you need to step on the throat there. You yeah. know, um, keep keep the starters in. There's no reason to go to your backup. And yeah, participation trophies. Uh, I think were you know orange slices and Capri Suns were being. Handed yeah, out on, it, on Saturday. But that's so. not what you need to win the Pac-12. And Colorado's a team that I think can do some damage in a COVID year where weird stuff's happening everywhere. CU can get it together. Tyler, really... just look at what else happened in the South this weekend. I mean, USC uh, eked out a win that they had no business winning. The only ranked team in the South right now. I mean, tell me that there is a team definitively better than Colorado in the South right now. Uh, no. I mean, Arizona State's going to be pretty good. You know, USC is going to be pretty good. But there's nothing that says that they're better right now or obviously better than the Buffs. I mean, C looked very good. We'll get to the defense, but that's bound to happen against the Chip, uh, Chip Kelly UCLA team, but I mean overall from the passing attack, what we saw on the ground, you know Sam Neuer both on the ground and through the air. I was just so happy with uh, with everything we saw this weekend offensively from the Buffs. Ryan, I do have here in my notes. Uh, it was with 11 minutes 15 seconds to go in the second, so I don't think they were quite up that much. But still, you're exactly right. Yeah. Twenty, even if it's 21-7, right or 28-7, something like that. That is when you need to keep your foot down. Uh, uh, get some more points on the scoreboard. Like, take that next step. So you're exactly right. Well, and at that point, you had been gifted a couple of possessions from UCLA. And in, in, in my mind, it kind of felt like, okay, you're not going to keep getting those gifts from UCLA. They're going to start getting this offense going, which we absolutely saw. And and that's where, yeah, you, you as a coach, you don't start giving out participation trophies at that point. That's when you say, no, 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 killer instinct, get out there and win this game. Right. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm going off of is looking at this game. One of the things that jumped off the page to me was see you with those turnovers. See you ran ninety two offensive plays. Yeah. Have you ever seen that many offensive plays ran by any college football? Well, and it's other, not than, like, other than a Chip Kelly team, maybe. Right. And it's not <laughs> like C was going super high pace. Right, right. So, so to build off of that, you ran ninety two offensive plays, yet you only managed forty eight points. Forty eight points is a lot, but you're running almost a hundred plays. You should be up. Pushing 60. And, and if I'm not mistaken, all four of those turnovers, the Buffs got in plus territory. Yeah, they almost And they capitalize on just, I think, out of three of the four, well, they capitalize Well, well on. that's important. When you get the ball in the red zone or close, you want to capitalize. And they did. But one thing CU fans have to keep in mind, don't get used to that, right? You can't get used to the fumbles, the interceptions. I think it's great CU forced turnovers, and we hope they keep doing the same thing. But we need to go out there and be able to win a game where there's no turnovers on each side, and it's kind of all things equal there. But... Don't get used to that. You know, CU was handed, not handed, let's be careful, but four turnovers in the first half, how often are you going to see that? And in the second half, 
Colorado did get outscored 28-13. to So that is something to keep in mind. Those turnovers were a big part of the game. But you have to do what you have to do to get the win, and that's exactly what CU did this weekend. So uh, really no complaints again from the offensive side. Before we get to defense, I want to talk about the receivers. Katie Nixon didn't play this weekend. Uh, it's going to be tough to get to that 900 yards this year if, if he's out a couple more games. But uh, what did you guys think of everyone else who filled in for him, starting with not, not a receiver at all, Brady Russell. Five catches, 77 yards, the only touchdown through the air on the game. The big dude getting it done in the middle. Yeah, Tyler, pat yourself on the back a little bit. I think that was one of the guys you called out going into the game that you felt like he was going to be a big part of this offense. And you really could see that. He is that security blanket for Sam Neuer. I think the way this offense is going to operate, at least what we saw this last week, is building off of the run, utilizing play action, and tight ends work so well into that. And the, Just watching the growth and the development of, of Brady Russell, who, if I'm not mistaken, was at a walk-on when he started with CU. Ryan, you, you may know that uh, off the top of your head. And I actually don't. All, all I know is he's the nephew of Matt Russell. That's, okay. that's all I know. Anyways, he's a guy that was a nobody when he started with this with his program. Nobody. He wasn't a highly recruited I, guy. I got it right here. August 28, 2018. Russell took matters into his own hands. This is a uh, Coloradoan.com article uh, from Fossil Ridge. I actually covered, covered Fossil Ridge when I used to work in radio. Uh, Russell took matters into his own hands, deciding to pass on lower-level scholarships to walk on at the University of Colorado. And there you go. And that's the guy that now was the leading receiver for the Buffs this weekend. And I think that's huge to see that progression, that development. I mean, he's such a well-rounded player, and I think he's a very well-deserved success. Yeah, what I really like about it is your top three, basically, uh, uh, minus Katie Nixon, with Dimitri Stanley, Maurice Bell, Brady Russell, they had uh, six catches, six catches, and five catches. So really, really spreading the football around, and you can see how comfortable, even with a weird offseason, how comfortable Neuer's has gotten with these guys. Oh, absolutely. And Maurice Bell, I mean, let, let's not skip Dimitri Stanley. Six catches, led the team in catches, actually. And he's been a staple for Colorado now for some time. He's kind of under the radar, right? When you talk about receivers, we talked about Katie Nixon a lot. Dimitri Stanley, though, he's electric. He runs very good routes. I mean, he catches every anything that's near him, and I thought he, he's going to be uh, kind of that that go-to guy this year. Like, like Ryan had a good point. They spread the ball out really well, but I think over the course of the season, Dimitri Stanley, as long as Nixon's out, it's going to be just fine. He can be the number one receiver on this team. You know, he reminds me of is a guy that we we remember probably as CU fans playing against, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. He just right. kind of a do-it-all. He can be on the outside. He can be a slot guy, good with the ball in his hands. And then Maurice Bell. I mean, we didn't talk too much about him last week, but, uh, you know, the six-foot junior stepped up. Five catches, 43 yards, and that's what you need. You need several guys you can go to, several guys you can rely on, whether it's out on the outside, in the slot. Uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, Daniel Arias had one catch. He also had a big drop. Oh, I know. Yeah, and he's he is one guy that I, I kind of expected to see a little bit more out of. But I mean, God, they have about a dozen of these young receivers, and so it's kind of hard to pinpoint where they're going to go with the ball. And, right. And so, yeah. I, I, but hey, he's made some big plays for the Buffs in his short time. No, right? no, he has. But it was uh, it was like on the five yard line, and it would have been a big big uh, catch. But based on what I saw, uh, Daniel Arias is going to be. A downfield guy. Yeah. I mean, everything they did to him was was vertical. His one catch was for 38 yards. Exactly. Jaron Mangan with a catch, Brendan Rice with a catch, and Matt Lynch with a catch. You know who we didn't see much of? Who those horrible announcers on ESPN, God, that they were just not very good. She was calling uh, Darian Rakestraw, Darian Rakeshaw. She was getting the name. Uh, I heard some Dan Neuers in there. It's oh, like, do you... It's the quarterback. I called games, for those who don't know, I worked in radio for 
about 10 years. And I got going in my career by calling high school football games. And I had never worked with anyone in high school football who didn't know the names as, as poorly as, as that team did. I'm like, wait a minute, guys, we're, we're missing everyone here. And she even tried to, this was the most egregious thing. They tried to credit Montana Lamonius Craig on UCLA. That's one of our best names. Montana Lamonius Craig is one of the best names on CU's roster. Don't bring that over to UCLA. They could never recruit a guy with that kind of a name. So that uh, amongst all the mistakes and all the errors they made, she calls out Montana Lamonius Craig with the interception. Up, oh, up, oh, up. Oh, wait, no, it's going to be this person. I'm like, you don't try and get Montana on UCLA. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the uh, NFL announcers with the, us being Broncos fans with uh, Albert Okawegunam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, that one's tougher. Well, yeah, I, but, no, but, see, but, I, I love it when they when they try and they go Albert. Oh, oh yeah, I got right. nothing. I got nothing. I mean, I call him Albert <laughs> Onomatopoeia, but if you're doing that professionally, you got to look that up before the game, ask the coaches, whatever I, it takes. I think it was Gumble. He just goes Albert. Okubuna. <laughs> okay, I, I have some disappointing news, guys. Um, CU's next game, I was looking forward uh, against Stanford here, ESPN2. Don't yeah, suppose that means uh, we're going to be stuck no, with that same We're not. We have crew, to move right? up the ranks after that win. That's right. I think that was like their D team, so we're going to move up the ranks there. And normally what I do is I like to sync up 850K away. Great play-by-play team. Uh, uh, Gary Johnson and... Uh, uh, no, Gary Barnett. Gary Barnett. Gary Barnett and Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. Thank you. Good. Want to mix him up there. Mark Johnson. No, we done. do not have a politician calling games <laughs> for us here, folks. <laughs> right. Uh, he, for those who don't know, Gary Johnson was the libertarian um, uh, electoral whatever in the 2016 election. Mark Johnson's been with the program for a long time. He does a great job, both football and basketball. But Gary Barnett, I mean... A lot of people didn't like him at first because he he sits up in the booth. He kind of tells you exactly what he's thinking. I think he does a great job. And I usually like to sync up the KOA with uh, the game. But I got rid of my old streaming service. Did, did you watch on Fubo? No, Fubo didn't have ESPN. I, Fubo has ESPN. Do they? Yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. aware of that. So did you watch on Fubo? I did watch the Are Fubo you later. able to pause that that? Um, only if you record it ahead of time. Oh, it's see. not like DirecTV where you could just pause your live what, TV. Whatever I used last year to watch, I could always pause it. And I forget exactly what it was because I've gone through a, a number of streaming services. But it wasn't cable back then. And so I could, again, I think it was Fubo. Not sure exactly. But you could pause and wait for the broadcast to catch up on the, or the, the radio broadcast to catch up. And then, you know, you, you, you sync it up and it's perfect. But I didn't have the opportunity to do that this game. So I was forced to listen to these ESPN people. And, uh, yeah, but I think that win moves us up a couple notches. We'll get a better team next week. But And, and even if we don't, hopefully she's learned it's Sam Neuer, not Dan Neuer. Or Dan Sam Neuer, as, as she once said. All right, let's get on to the defensive side of the football. Because first half, allowing 14 points. You got some help from the turnovers. And then the second half, 28 points. Now, I, I want to say this first. UCLA... Chip Smelly, they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. I was not surprised they made a second-half push. As a matter of fact, that was kind of their MO last year. You give up a huge lead, and then you fight back in the second half. Also, Colorado, they didn't go into a prevent or anything like that, but they gave up a couple big plays, a couple ridiculous pass interference calls, and one thing that was slightly exposed, maybe those deep vertical passes. I mean, I think Christian Gonzalez did a really good job. Yeah, they, like, did, they, they, they did try and pick. They on did him. pick on him a little bit, and and he had his moments. I think he he did perform well, but he he certainly had some plays that 
you know, he was exposed a little bit, maybe out of coverage a little bit. They also mentioned on the broadcast he was nursing an ankle injury. I don't know how much that affected him at all. It it didn't seem to, but you know, it's certainly a tough position to be in if you're if you're nursing an ankle injury in your very first college football game. But I'll tell you what. He looks big. He looks fast. He looks physical. I'm really excited about the future with well, him. Well, but that was he did fir- have his moments. It was his first game. I mean, I think that we have to evaluate. And look, it, it, it's kind of funny because you can't have it both ways. But the way I look at it, we sort of have to give him not a pass. Because if you're in the starting lineup, you're in the starting lineup. Doesn't matter whether you're a fifth-year senior or a freshman. But I thought that he did really well. And there's only, you know, he can only go up from here. And so I was impressed with what I saw out of him. He did have, uh, looking at some tackles here, um, he was third in the team in tackles, but that's because the ball was around him a lot, you know, and they were throwing to him. It, a it was absolutely a situation they were targeting Christian Gonzalez. There's no doubt about that because it was time after time after time they were going his direction. And then can we talk about Darian Rakestraw? I mean, right now the leader of this defense, if you ask me, all absolutely, over the field, so no athletic, doubt about it. hits hard, great in coverage, I believe. Let me pull this up quickly. Uh, yeah, in terms of passes broken up, uh, yeah, he had a couple. I mean, look, he's all over the place. He does well in coverage, and he got to the quarterback once, too. F- a forced fumble. I mean, there's nothing he's not going to do this year for the Buffs. Darian Rakestraw, very good out of the gates. Yeah, you know who who reminds me of? Who's that? Michael Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, he does a little That's bit. Digging, digging back in the, the yeah. way back train there. I huh? like that. Uh, one thing I saw with Darren Rakestraw, to go back to what, what, we, what you just mentioned earlier about the turnovers, and sometimes that can be a fluky thing. When you watch him tackle, especially if there's another guy, another group of guys around there, he is always punching at that ball. He is doing everything he can to get that ball free. And you saw that a couple of times he was able to. And I think that is something that uh, is a mental aspect. I think how you approach the game, how you approach making big plays like that. And that's what I think Darian Rakestraw is for this defense. 100%. He is the big playmaker on this defense. I I couldn't agree more. And that's what he's going to do is – and I don't want to undersell this because I feel like what we're doing is we're trying to be fair, and so we're going all the way in the other direction. There's a reason Colorado got those turnovers, and they were playing physical, and that's what I love to see. And Darian Rakestraw led that charge. He played so well, and his uh, he should have had two force fumbles. You know, one of them almost you know it came back, but I loved it. I love the physicality. Combine that with the speed. That's what you're going to need in the Pac-12. Absolutely a great game from Darian Rakestraw. Also, I was. Surprised, but I was very, very happily surprised that Isaiah Lewis got all the time he did, led the team with three broken up passes uh, all over the field. I mean, you were right, Jared, that when UCLA inevitably went to that heavy spread set, they're going to need to rely on a couple more uh, uh, safeties. Isaiah Lewis stepped in really well. So kind of that, you know, similar to Darian Rakestraw, he didn't bring that physicality, but he did a lot that a lot of other uh, buffs weren't able to do. And when we see more and more spread teams, maybe not this weekend against Stanford, but when we see more of these spread teams, he's going to be a huge part of it. So Isaiah Lewis, I was really happy with. Uh, Quarterback hurries, Terrence Lang had two, Chris Miller had two, and then... uh, uh, Gustav had one, Landman had one, Rakestraw had one, as I said, and Naeem Rodman also won hurry. That was a big part of last week's game. Eight quarterback hurries, made him uncomfortable, especially in the second half in crunch time. That's what I'm happy with CU about. When it came down to winning time, they won. And and, and another leader on this defense, Mustafa Johnson, had a big sack late in this yes, game that yes. I think was kind of that punishing blow at the end of the game they needed. All right, and then Nate Landman. Obviously, the cap. You know, I'm not sure actually if he's uh, the, the you know. He, I he is. He's him and Mustafa are the captains. Yeah. Um, I thought I saw that they were 
rotating captains weekly. I, okay. I could be wrong about that. Sorry. Well, I mean, he's the captain in our hearts. We know that much. Well, actually, that's up for... I, I don't want to speak for you guys because Darian Rakestraw sure as hell played like that this weekend. But Nate Landman's been a staple on this defense for so long. Had some really big tackles, really big hits. Again, went side to side pretty well. And then when UCLA came out, and initially they were running some of that two tight end set, it was really weird. Like, they came out... With the, these tight formations, I thought Nate Landman did a great job in the middle of the field. Uh, any thoughts on uh, Nate Landman? No, I think you saw what what you always see out of him. He's just he's steady Eddie out there. I, I don't think you expect anything different from Nate Landman. And you know, one thing I am curious to see something we've talked about in the past is their ability to get sideline to sideline. Something that's a strength of his. But you know, I, I don't want to gloss over the fact Dorian Thompson Robinson nine carries, one hundred nine yards. I know he had a big one, had a sixty five yard rush in this and game. But yeah. there's a couple of plays where he got loose, and I, I want to see how the the Buffs handle that as they move forward well that does skew the stats i mean he, he he scrambled a little bit we know that's what he does well overall though i was thrilled with the linebackers yeah so i i just wanted to, that that was one of my disappointments in in the fact that we only had one sack on the game and it came from an interior d lineman we were talking about carson wells and, and how you kind of wanted to see that that edge rush presence kind of be more there of course you're up big balls coming out quick you got an athletic uh quarterback you only ran the ball nine times, though, yeah. and and you said we had eight hurries. Um, I'd like to see a little more of those hurries turn into sacks. Absolutely. Than- I would, too. I think most CU fans would, but this is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, maybe the most elusive quarterback in all the Pac-12, and you mentioned Carson Wells. It's funny. We talked a lot about Carson Wells being able to get in the backfield, disrupt things. They asked him to do everything. The dude's rushing the quarterback. He's playing the, the run off the edge. He's dropping back in coverage. He did have... The uh, the early interception, yeah, that yeah. pick, and, and a play that Dorian Thompson Robinson never saw him. Yeah. I think it was a very <laughs> yeah. well designed play that he I thought was he was coming nuts. at him. My neighbors certainly heard me after that. Yeah, one. but yeah. it was a great play. I mean, you know, a lot of times that's a tough play to make. And and, t- uh, and Ryan, I know you're a former edge rusher yourself. That getting your hands up quick like that, not only that, but tipping the ball up in the air, making the play, uh, that's that a very huge. tough play to make. And early on, I, I actually want to point that out. That was. In my mind, possibly the biggest play in the game, right there. Agree. That's what that was. That was the second turnover of the game, but that's what was that got the Buffs really in control of that game. Yeah, if, if you're not going to get there, get the hands up and, and and try to create a play a different way. We talked about the physicality on this defense. We can't leave out Akil Jones without mentioning physicality. I mean, there were a couple times where I'm looking down at my uh, roster, going, "Wait a minute." Is that number 36 again delivering the blow? Like, he was hitting hard. I love that about this defense. And we get, we've we gotten in this whole Pac-12 finesse. It's 2020. Ever. Dude, CU hits hard, and I love that about their defense. All right, uh, let's move on. to Let's see. What else do we got here about last? Oh, last piece of information here. James Stefano. The, he retired. He was pulled mid-game because, you know, whatever. He missed a couple kicks, and then Davis Price comes in. Price, he's... He's a good backup, but and then after the game, Stefano's like, yeah, and he's done. a guy that I mean, he's old. Let's just let's just get out, that out there. Thirty three years old, Which is oldest ancient player. For college football. Yeah, oldest he's player the oldest college player football. in college football. Uh, but this is <laughs> uh, people may not realize this a ton, but he was a professional athlete in Australia. I think rugby, if I'm not mistaken. So this Down is a under. guy. This is a guy that's played a professional sports career. We yeah. all know what kind of damage that can do to your body. And you know, coming coming from a guy who's thirty and feels like an old man, I can completely understand how that would be tough. And I believe it's hip issues he's mainly had. I. I 
can only imagine trying to swing that leg through there and pop out a 50-yard field goal. That, that cannot feel good. And I think he's looking at his future and, you know, good for him. I, I, it's tough. He, he was a good buff. I mean, he's been here for, for many years, but it, it's tough to see him go. But I think good for him for making that decision. Yeah, that was the only other negative takeaway I had is two for five on field goals for the Buffs. Two, two blocks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, that's got to change. Yeah, I mean, special teams, you, you got to – I mean, I was talking about so many plays and the, the little amount of points you had. I mean, you're missing nine points right there. So Yeah, no, that's a that's a big part of it. And I promise you, Carl Durrell is going to stress that this week. Let's get that corrected in, in the special teams. So, But I do want to point out Evan Price, though. I think there's a lot of confidence in oh, Evan for Price sure, yeah. in, that, in that locker room. He's a guy that came in, ironically, started last year against Stanford, was his first and possibly only start last year. And, and had a good uh, big game-winning kick. So no, I no. think that that's great to see. He's had some experience. He's a guy that they believe in. In fact, once he was in doing the kickoffs, they were going out of the end zone at that point. So obviously has a big leg. I don't think you're going to miss a whole lot going from Stefano to Evan Price. Hey, not that many college football teams have a good backup kicker that you can just go to like that. So see who's in a good spot. Uh, do you think that James Stefano likes shrimp on the barbie? Absolutely. Is that You have to if you're from Australia, right? <laughs> or you just like Outback Steakhouse. Uh, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and say he probably hates Outback <laughs> right. Steakhouse. I don't think it's like that. I'm, I'm going to say that Outback is not a good representation <laughs> of, of the diets in, in Australia. Well, you tell me they don't have blooming onions in, no, prob- in Australia? <laughs> probably not. If also, I- so, so can I go on a little sidebar about a blooming onion here? Yeah. All right. All right. Onions are very Wait, cheap. Wait, this isn't going to get inappropriate, right? <laughs> no, no. Onions are very cheap. Why is a blooming onion like twelve dollars? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, they're big onions, but still, even that's probably two dollars per onion. Well, and, that's and not, a, not only that, but they'll give you flack if you ask for extra dipping sauce. Oh yeah, yeah. oh that's and what I all the cost that is, right? It's in sauce. that dipping sauce. That's some good sauce. Mayo's not that important <laughs> either. <laughs> that's hysterical. I love Outback, by the way. Hopefully, we didn't just ruin any chance to get them on as a sponsor. I love, I love the Bloomin' Onion. I love Outback Steakhouse. And, Us uh, Americans, we love it. We love it. It's good stuff. Uh, that's great. All right, let's get on to next week. Colorado going on the road to a Stanford Cardinal team that got blown out 35-14. They did go to Oregon. We understand the Ducks are right now the favorite in the Pac-12 to win the conference and potentially represent the Pac-12 in the uh, Final Four. But focusing on last week's game, and we're going to break down a little bit of Stanford, the roster, their situation, to bring everyone up to date with uh, the, the Stanford Cardinal. They've been dealing with some COVID issues. And before we get into any specific players, my biggest concern this entire year, specifically in weeks like this, is I hope that nothing happens. I hope Stanford stays healthy. I hope that they get some of their guys back. I mean, I guess you, I guess you want to beat them. You know, you want to beat the best, but more, more than anything, I just hope it doesn't spread to other players on the team. And I really, really, really am praying that we don't get a cancellation because Stanford is, you know, doing the whole COVID thing this week. Yeah, so. my, my turn to go on a rant. Way to go, Pac-12. Way to go. You shut things down <clears throat> just when everything was looking like it was <laughs> yeah. looking up, everything was going good, and then you decide to bring it back just as this pandemic decides to blow up again, and now you, you already had an opening weekend. You had two games canceled. You had, I think, Cal in, in Washington. There was one other. Arizona maybe was yeah, the other was one. Arizona, got. Yeah, it was Arizona, yeah. Utah. They absolutely botched this. So I'll leave it at that. I just needed to get that off my chest. But uh, going back to Stanford, yeah, that you know, starting quarterback well, 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 was out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, several several players impacted them there. So it, it is kind of hard to gauge 
And it's the travel, too. It's the yeah. COVID going on with Stanford. And, and let's face it, Colorado has to do a good job keeping the COVID away themselves, right? So it's both teams. You hope they go through the week and then see who's traveling. So it's a whole bunch of COVID obstacles. And this is their first road game of the year. So hopefully, you know, I, one thing that makes me feel good about it is Carl Durrell has uh, said in detail how he's going to handle it, that he understands you got to prepare each day as if the the most unlikely thing is going to happen. And again, I'm trusting this head coach, trusting the coaching staff. And honestly, again, before we get on to, to Stanford, I have to say this, because it's not my notes anywhere for me to bring up at the end of the show. I was blown away with Carl Durrell. I know we already mentioned the, the spots he put the offense in, things like that, but the way he handled himself on the sideline, the way that Colorado came out and got minimal penalties, a couple here, a couple there, nothing ridiculous. No roughing the passers, no hits out of bounds. That looked like a very, very well-coached football team, and that goes all, all the way to the head coach. So everything, again, from the demeanor to what we saw on the field to the, to the plays, I was blown away with Carl Durrell. Very impressed. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I thought, too, was just, just in the past years with, with Mac. Even with Mel Tucker, and I think a lot of that you can come uh, you can come to conclusions with with maybe it was Cepho, maybe it was Montez. The guys just looked confident under Durrell. Like like it was it was so much different from the last few years that we've we've watched the Buffs. And and I think that it's the confidence that he shows, displays, gets down to the team. But I also think they're just very prepared. Like this guy's been in college locker rooms. Uh, NFL locker rooms. He knows how to get the team ready to go. And I mean, see, you look prepared, but you could be prepared and then have those penalties, right? So everything layers on top of one another. And it all goes back to a very, very good head coach that I think CU kind of stumbled into. I mean, I think I, it's a, it, at this point, it's looking like a great hire, but the timing with Mel Tucker leaving and all that, or he who should not be named leaving, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. And uh, as a CU fan, lifelong CU fan, I think they made a very, very good hire with Carl Laurel. Yeah, some of the best uh, coaching hires in, in you know both college and NFL history were, were the second choice. We're not yeah. the guy that they wanted. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to look past the big names, the, the flashy guys. And I think what Carl Dorrell brings is exactly what the Buffs need. You guys talked about it. confidence, being prepared, being you know focused on the, the play in front of you and what's going on in front of you. I mean, some of the things they brought up in the broadcast that I don't think any of us were quite aware of. Some of the things that the bus did leading up to the season, you know, isolating his entire team him to in the hotel, hotel yep. for for nearly a month leading up to the season to ensure they're prepared. How many teams around the uh, around college football, NCAA, the Pac-12? How many teams do you think did that? And I think you're seeing not only to keep your team safe and healthy in this time, but also the camaraderie that it brings from that. I think this team has really come together. They're playing for each other. I mean, I'm just excited about the future that Carl Durrell is bringing to the Buffaloes. I'm glad you guys feel that way, and I'm sure the rest of Buffs Nation agrees with us. Good hire, and I'm uh, very impressed. All right, let's get on to CU's opponent next weekend. As we already mentioned, uh, 35-14 loss to Stanford, but they were without their uh, starting quarterback, David Mills. We don't know much about David Mills. Now, there are a couple other players on Stanford's roster. Defensive end, Trey LeBounty, uh, receiver, Connor Wellington. They're out, but they were out because of contact tracing, right? They were near high-risk uh, high people. They couldn't play because of contact tracing. I'm not getting any news on David Mills. They're kind of keeping this one under the radar. So either he was out for the contact tracing or uh, he had COVID himself. 
But I think that CU should approach this game as if David Mills is starting because it's Stanford. You're not going to get wildly different things depending on who's back there. We know what kind of offense Stanford's going to run. So whether it's David Mills or Jack West, the backup, you've got to prepare for the starter. And both guys are very similar in their style of play. And I, I think that helps. You know you're getting a pro-style offense with a drop-back passer. Neither guy is going to really beat you a lot with their feet. Look, Looking at last week, Jack West had one carry, one yard. Yeah. So it's not something that you got to worry about a ton there. So I think that's good. I agree with you. I think you prepare for the starter to be there. If he's not, then I don't think there's a whole lot of adjustment that you need to make in that yeah. situation. Yeah, Jack West last week, you said one carry for a yard. It, through the air, he was uh, 13 of 19 for 154 yards. So I mean, you talk about going from one style of offense to a completely new style of offense. That's what CU's going to have to deal with this week. And to beat Stanford, I think this all comes down to stopping the run, right? L- last week on the ground, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, a- Aaron Jones? A- Austin Jones. Austin Jones. Jones. Yep. 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Stanford's going to lean on their running game. And they did it last week. They're going to do it this week. That's how Stanford plays against Colorado. If you're going to beat Stanford, we're going to have that front seven. We're going to need that front seven to have a big game. And again, it's completely different. Like, we saw Carson Wells do it all last week. He may have one assignment this week. You don't exactly know. I trust his coaching staff to put him in the right spot. But you talk about a a juxtaposition of offenses. You go from Chip Smelly to uh, David Shaw at the Stanford Cardinal. Very, very different. So do you agree that's where CU is going to have to focus going into next week? It's year in and year out. That's what you get from from the Stanford Cardinal. I think that is what you can expect. I think that is exactly right. You make them a one-dimensional team. Make them beat you through the air, and I feel very good about the Buffs' ability to be successful in this game. We know Colorado missed a couple field goals last week. Well, so did Stanford. Matter of fact, their kicker, Jet Toner... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is hysterical. No way. Jet Toner is their kicker. Sounds like something you fill up like an industrial copper you're with. <laughs> right? You get that Jet Toner. Too bad, too bad Jet's not the middle name. Just be like Ink, Ink Jet Toner. Oh, dude. <laughs> but he, uh, he missed four field goals last week. Four field goals. So... Uh, I think we have a uh, chance to see a couple of missed field goals again this week. Feed on straighten things out. Yeah, I, I, it's it's honestly I'm having a really hard time gauging what we're gonna get out of Stanford. Not in their style of play. We know what that is, but you know I kind of came in to this year. I, I felt like Oregon was a little bit overrated. They're ranked 12th in the country. They lost their starting quarterback Justin Herbert. We're seeing the success he's having in the NFL. Lost a lot of key players on that team, and I thought they were gonna take a step back. Well, Oregon looked dominant against Stanford. So I, I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Is Oregon that good or is this a Stanford team? I mean, this is a team that was four and eight last year. I think everybody expected them to take another jump back forward this year. Nobody expected David Shaw's team to be down for too long, but to see this team come out, they're undisciplined, they're, they're, they're missing plays like that. Man, I'm just, I'm sort of baffled. I keep looking at this team going, man, how is CU a six and a half point underdog? Well, they opened up seven going into this game. I, I just I don't see it, and I don't know if I'm just like black and gold glasses on, and I'm not seeing what the rest of the country is. But I just don't see it right now to the Stanford team. I, I look at this offense, and there's not a whole lot that really scares me. Yeah. So look looking at last week's stats, you, you know St- Stanford's usually like uh, you know run the football and specifically get the balls to their tight ends because they're usually two to three deep at the tight end. They had one catch by a tight end last Yeah, week. that's a good point. Very different look from Stanford in terms of throwing down the middle of the field, and they can't go outside when they want to. You know, 13, to 10, or 13 completions all game. This is a down Stanford team. 
And honestly, that says more about where Stanford is right now than anything else. And Because I, I, that's a great point that you bring that up, Ryan. Stanford's a team that relies on their tight ends. They throw to their tight ends. When they don't do that suddenly and they have one attempt to a tight end, that tells me not the same team. They're not used to doing what makes them comfortable, right? How often do we hear in sports, if, if you can shut down what a team does and make them uncomfortable, you're going to have a good chance to win. Well, Stanford's already doing that. And so, again, it goes into the way CU should approach this thing. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that they should load the box up, stop the run. But even when they do pass it, they're not going to be able to go outside. Uh, you mentioned that CU was a pretty big underdog coming into this Yeah, uh, I, I saw six and a half. You said you saw seven. I did see seven, man. It, what a slap in the face. I mean, how on that is uh, that's disrespectful to Colorado. The the Buffs come out, get a big win, score a lot of points. Stanford lays an egg against against uh, Oregon, and they're a seven point favorite at home. And, and CU was actually a six point underdog against UCLA at home. I, I mean, it's I I was actually when I saw that line, I was stoked. I'm I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm going to make so much money off the Buffs this year if they keep giving me these lines. I mean, as soon as I saw this, I was like, yep, get in on that one. It, it's almost like keep disrespecting the buffs. It's yeah. okay with us, but I wonder how much the players actually pay attention to this sort of thing. You know, uh, it's probably not much. If this gets around to any CU buffs out there, use that as motivation. They think you're a touchdown underdog against a team you should go beat on the road. That's Carl, crazy. Carl Durrell doesn't strike me as bulletin board material guy. You know, he doesn't <laughs> right, strike right. me as he, he, he's pinning up the headline or anything for him. I, I think he's just going to have this team focused and ready to go. And what can't happen this week is the narrative now gets turned to uh, David Mills. Is their quarterback going to play? Is he not going to play? It's like, who cares? If you're CU... You shut that off. You don't listen to anything. You prepare for David Mills because, as you said, Jared, it's going to be a very similar offense no matter who's back there. It's not like David Mills is going to start running around. You have to p- prepare to stop the run, force Stanford to be one-dimensional, and when that quarterback does throw, you've got to make plays in the secondary. So, um, obviously, again, Stanford's going to lean on their running game. CU's got to stop the run. This is a very different game than UCLA. Yeah, I'm looking for that interior D-line, getting that push there, but I, I, I want to see Nate Landman and Kill Jones. I want to see 10 tackles, 12 tackles. Those guys, do not let them get past the second level of the defense. Well, let's talk about that. Some key players this week. I mean, you know, we don't want to name one key player because there's a lot of guys who are going to get on the field, but you just named uh, Akil Jones and Nate Landman, two big guys in the middle, physical runners, We've got to punish Stanford. Whenever a running back finally makes it to our, uh, our our linebackers, rough him up. Hit him hard. Make sure he knows who he's playing against. And I think those two players, Akil Jones and Nate Landman, going to be crucial. Obviously, I'm going to bring up Darian Rakestraw again because such a big uh, first game. And no matter what role he's in this game in terms of coming down to the box, maybe more uh, pass protection, whatever it is, he's going to do just fine. And I'm confident that this coaching staff is going to put him in a good spot. But don't you think that if Darian Rakestraw has a good game, the CU Buffs team probably going to have a good game as well? Yeah, I I think that's absolutely a a great point. I think we saw last week he did does very well when they put him in the box. Uh, he didn't do a ton of rushing the passer, but I think just right. making plays at the line of scrimmage, I think that's great. A lot of times you see a safety leading your team in tackles. That's not necessarily a great thing because that means that guys are getting 8, 10, 12 yards a pop, but I think a lot was Darian Rankshaw coming down into the box and making those plays. He needs to do that again this week. Yeah, so I, I see it as not necessarily a, a key player or key players, um, but a position group. I want to see that front seven. Eat up, eat up the Stanford, uh, Stanford lineman, get into the second level so a person like Darian Rakestraw can make those tackles and lead your team again. And that front seven looked good last game. I mean, Jalen Sammy out there, 
tossing that weight around, man. You'd men- you mentioned Mustafa Johnson. Uh, you know, whoever it was last week, I think, you know, again, a lot of rotation there on the D-line, but very impressed with what we saw. But now it's time to flip the switch. It's time to go from that more spread attack to this rushing attack. It, it, it's time to get more uh, side-to-side, now more physical, going uh, downhill, if you will. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really have... Isaiah Lewis, how about him? I mean, we can just put in... We're going to do the same thing we do every week, just name everyone on the team. That's okay. But I think the secondary is going to be important because when Stanford does run that play action, when they do decide to throw the football... These, these these cornerbacks and safeties are going to have to step up and make some plays. There's probably going to be a lot of one-on-one. There's probably going to be some man-to-man that we're seeing this weekend. We need a big game out of Christian Gonzalez. And uh, let's not say in co, right? Because I think that's a slap in the face of these other guys. But all of those secondary players need to have a big game when their number is cold. Because it's not going to happen often. They're going to need to step up and make some of those plays downfield. All right. Um, getting on to uh, keys for CU. Well, we just talked some key players. Uh, on defense, as we said, you know, to reiterate, stop the run, force Stanford into a pass, uh, passing situations, and then when they do, make them pay. Do you guys have anything to add? Do you agree, disagree? Does that sound pretty good? I mean, it's Stanford we're playing, so there's not too many tricks here. Yeah, this is probably the least amount of tricks you're going to see out of any team all season long. So I think you know what you're getting. You just have to show up and play. It's, it's, it's old school football. You just got to step up and make plays. Yeah, I think just like I was saying with special, some of the special teams miscues, um, I think do exactly, well, to a certain extent, do exactly what you did last week, but uh, clean up some of those rough edges. Right, exactly. But in terms of uh, preparation, yeah, Stanford's not going to be bringing anything we haven't seen before. David Shaw is a boring head coach. I'm sure his favorite color is beige. And he always orders water with dinner. Like, this guy is, there's no curveballs coming from this guy. So, force him into passing situations, and when they do pass, make him pay. Now, on offense, I don't think Colorado needs to change much because one of the big reasons Stanford gave up, what, 35 last week to Oregon was because this this secondary is slow. They're unathletic. And let's not sell this out to be something like they're a high school football team, but they're much, uh, they're not really fit to stop these teams like Oregon or Colorado. And frankly, I think that CU has a lot in common with Oregon this year. Obviously, Oregon, the favorites, as I said, to win the Pac-12, but CU, in my opinion, deserves to be in that conversation. And we need to see the Buffs' athleticism on, on display this weekend. Get the ball to those receivers on the outside. Get the ball uh, to, to your running backs in in space and let them work. I think that's how you beat Stanford. Yeah, I don't think you change your game plan much at all. I think this actually plays really into the strengths we saw from the Buffs last week and their ability to run different players, different situations, different formations. But you know, you point out the secondary for Stanford, looking a little slow, not quite up to speed. A lot of people don't maybe don't know the name Paulson Adebo. He is a, a cornerback from Stanford, uh, a highly touted guy, projected to go you know first or second round in the NFL. He opted oh, okay. out before the. 2020 season oh, wow. and I think Stanford Cardinal really missed him last week there is just such a huge drop off from him to the next guy and I think the Buffs need to exploit that I do want to see Sam Neuer open up a little bit in this game I want to see him spread the ball around just like we saw last week but some deep balls let's see what you can do out in space with this team I know we're all in the mindset of don't change much obviously Colorado needs to always be updating a little bit right I, I like to think of it as Give me two or three new plays we didn't see last week. Two or three new concepts we didn't see last week. You always want to be updating, adding wrinkles, things like that, but don't outthink yourself. I think that's the one common thing that we're all agreeing on here. Although we probably want to see a little bit, you know, 
the first game was great, and it's easy to go out and get the win, score 48 points, and say we don't want to see anything changed, but CU needs to be adding a little bit every week. There's only seven games this season, and usually what I say is keep a little bit in your back pocket for that playoff run. That's what they're you know, hopefully going to do a little bit each week because David Shaw is a good head coach, and you know he's seen a lot of these offenses, and even though they gave up 35 last week, they're going to make changes on their defense as well. So I think CU just needs to make a couple, not adjustments, but throw in a couple more wrinkles, a couple things, update a few things here or there that we didn't see last week. But overall, I think CU's going to, if they execute, do what Oregon did last week. And I think what CU needs to do offensively is understand what... Uh, Stanford's going to do against them as defense. What did they see last week? They see, saw the Buffs running the ball all day long. Use that to your advantage early in this game. I want to see a lot of play action early. I want to see you try to suck those guys in and open things up deep and allow yourself to then open up the rest of the playbook for your offense. How much Joe Davis do you think we see this game? We talked about this earlier in the show. Obviously, Jarek Broussard's going to get the, the, the most carries. But do we see Jared Mangum and Joe Davis split carries behind him this game? Is there an elevated uh, role here for Joe Davis? I would say game in and game out, you're going to see more of a balanced approach. I think what you saw last week is Darren Cheverini and Carl Durrell saw that Jarek Broussard had a hot hand. They did not want to take the ball out of his hands. I think their approach going into each game is going to be a little bit more of a balanced attack. I mean, you saw Broussard towards the end of the game getting gassed, having some issues. So I think you want to see him a little bit more rested, ready to go at the end of the game. So yes, I do think you're going to see a little more of a balance, but I still think he's going to get a majority of those carries. I think this comes down to, on offense, do what Stanford gives you. You know, take what Stanford gives you. We don't really need... That's the great thing about this offense from one from one week, granted, but what I took away from that game uh, last week against UCLA is Colorado doesn't need to do anything. There's some teams like Stanford that need to run the football. There's some teams like UCLA that need to throw the football. There's some teams in the Pac-12 that if it's not working in terms of running or passing, they're screwed. Colorado... We seem to be a multiple offense. We can do really anything. Rely on this offensive line to to go downhill, initiate the contact, run the football, or pass the ball, and, and Sam Neuer has proven he's going to make good decisions. So I think take whatever Stanford gives you. And you can bet on the other side of this that uh, you know people, for, you know, Stanford fans, alum, you know, everyone's saying shut down the run for the Buffs. You can't let them run. You know they're saying the same thing. They want to see, can Sam Neuer take this on his shoulders and beat the Buffs? And I'm curious to see. Time will tell, but I want to see, can Sam Neuer in a situation where they're not running the ball well? I don't expect that to be this week, by the way. I think <laughs> right. I think the Buffs absolutely have the ability to run all over Stanford. So, But over, over the course of the season, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, one thing that, that, that concerns me, and why I love Darren Cheverini, um, especially after having such a great performance last week, I don't want them to see, I don't want to see them get too cute. I, I want them to stick to playing defense, running the football, and because when you start to start to spread the football all over, that's when you find yourself in a 10 to 14 point hole, and now the running game's completely taken away from you. That, that's a really good point. I mean, some of, last week, some, some of my favorite plays that I saw called quarterback sneaks. Those short, simple halfback dives. You know, keeping it simple. Uh, what does Dwight say on the office? 
You know, Michael told me to K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Best <laughs> advice I ever got. It's like, that's what they need to be doing. And, uh, you know, I think that they could still, again, throw in a wrinkle here or there. But overall, I agree. Don't get too cute at all. Do what worked and what has worked. And I believe in that strongly. NFL to college football. If you've got... I don't know why more third and ones, you're not quarterback sneaking it. You know, is it the injury concern? I don't think there's too big an, any more of an injury concern with quarterbacks or anything like that. But I love that conservative play calling. And I knew it wouldn't be popular maybe with the audience or I didn't even know how you guys would react. But that was some of my favorite plays last week. Third and one, quarterback sneak, even second and one, quarterback sneak, get the job done, move on, move the chains. I love that. It's it's just a little bit different watching Sam Neuer run a QB sneak or QB draw than it was watching Steven Montez or even Sefa Lufau. It's just, he just, he moves with a purpose. I I and I don't it. think you ever saw that of Steven Montez. And his time at safety has really helped. We're going to hear all these announcers saying that. We've been saying it since day one, but the fact that this guy played safety, he likes to initiate contact, that's going to help Sam Neuer so much. Yeah, I, I think my favorite part of the, all of last week was just the unfamiliar sense of the buffs being methodical like you they were actually you know they weren't hitting ruts they weren't doing anything like if you look i think broussard's longest carry was 37 yards yeah. it's not like they were giant explosive plays but they were consistently good we're gonna need that again this weekend i really believe that and as long as we're playing this game of, of our favorite part of the game you know what i love to see is how many times in the last three or four years have we seen the buffs with a lead and then that lead starts to dwindle and you are just sitting there on the edge of your seat you're going when's it gonna happen yeah. when's it gonna happen <laughs> right i at no point in that game did I feel like that was getting out of hand. It was just a matter of, okay, who's going to step up and make a play here I, I, the whole time? Even though I know it ended at six points, it got closed down towards the end there, it just felt like the bus were in control. They were, and, and I think that stems from Carl Durrell. The confidence, the demeanor that he has on the sideline, I think the preparedness they entered the game with, they knew what they were going to do when they were in that situation. But it's worth repeating. UCLA scored 28 points in the second half, 21 in the third quarter. When it came down in the fourth quarter, it was a close game, anybody's game. Colorado did exactly what they needed to, both offensive and defensive, uh, to, to, to guarantee the win. I mean, when you, you when you hold UCLA to those seven points in the fourth and you end up getting a field goal that, you know, that, that actually was a, a big field goal by having Price there in the fourth, I don't care what happened before that. I care about doing what it takes to win when winning time presents itself to you. That's what CU did. That's what you guys are talking about, that the, the buffs of the past... The, the very recent past is you're, you're counting down the, the, the seconds. You're going, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And I agree with you, Jared. I didn't feel that at all last weekend. I want to see that carry over to this next weekend. And before we get out of here, let's make our picks, our predictions, the scores. I'm going to start. I'll take Stanford. Or a, whoa! Oh! Hey, oh. No, that was... You're uh, off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care if you're the host of this show. You do that one more I'm time. I'm taking the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Good God, I can't believe I did that. Uh, 34. Well, you are kind of wearing like a Stanford Cardinal red right now. Mm. I mean, I know it's a University of Denver hoodie, yeah. but Tyler... I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed. Look, in you. man, I'm not. There's not a bigger Buffs fan on this earth than me. Okay, what what are you picking? What are you picking? Here? Colorado, 34-20. I think oh we see the best God. of both worlds here. I think they score. And I think Stanford maybe they got 13 points, get a garbage time touchdown. So we'll go Buffs, 34-20. I have a very similar game here. I had it going 31-21. I, I think the Buffs you're just will, stealing my scores. That's have you noticed this each week that I give my score and then he gives one like three no, points off each way. It's it's because we're both looking at the uh, the over under. 
and just you know, I'm a little on the under. I think it was fifty four and a half is what I saw it at. So I'm a, I'm slightly under. I think I did ma- that math right, right? Okay. Sometimes I make slightly. that mistake uh, uh, when I'm betting, He's and you go, "Oh man. no, that math was wrong." But no, I got thirty one twenty one. I think the Buffs. I actually think it'll be a very similar game to last week. I don't know that you're going to get four turnovers in the first half, but I think the Buffs get out to an early lead. I think they are in control of this game. I think Stanford bounces back a little bit from what you saw last week. I, I do think the way Stanford looked last week was as much about Oregon might be better than I realized they were. I think Oregon is a good football team that that really had Stanford's number, but I think CU has the same ability to go in there, outperform them, play to their strengths, and get a big win here. Ryan, what do you think? All right, well, we were all way off on our predictions for, I know. for, for last We week. thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, <laughs> and a lot of that was because we didn't know what this Buffs offense was going to look like. I know. I'm a little scared about doing that again. Um, but I'm going to go uh, – so I, I think it's going to be – a close-ish game, um, just because we, we we've seen this in other conferences, especially when they first started off. Is now that there's at least even one game of tape, especially with such a, a, an unknown entity like CU's offense was. I think uh, CU's still going to win. Uh, I'm going to give it to you, 31-23. I like it, man. That was uh... he just went in the middle. That's like the guy just going <laughs> one up on you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's exactly what you do. That's what it's nice <laughs> strategy. Yeah, that, that's Price is Right 101 that's right. right there. <laughs> and uh, before we get out of here today, as we do every single podcast, we usually start with it. We got uh, we got uh, our, our uh, no huddle offense yeah, going. Yeah, a little excited. This got week. off to a hot start. <laughs> yeah, we did. But uh, we can't get out of here without doing this week in Buffs history. Ryan, what do we have this week in Buffs history? All right, so we're recording today on November 10th. Uh, 2020 we're gonna go all the way back in the way back machine to 1934 okay uh, that's when the I like these old school ones that's when yeah, Colorado that's officially adopted the nickname of Buffaloes oh. at the annual homecoming game um, the Buffs beat Utah seven to six in that game the, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they won last week seven six yeah there's a lot of seven six <laughs> games uh, back in the 30s that's great. Huh? well we were in the middle of a depression and like <laughs> 10 years away from a world war I think things were a bit different um so just to uh give you some history on that on on, on that year uh the head coach is bill saunders we went uh six one and two it's always funny to see these multiple tie games in these early years yeah. uh we were still in the rocky mountain conference um the uh so just to give you a couple our fir- the first two games played at kansas and home against missouri both of those ended in a riveting um, zero to zero tie. Oh, okay. <laughs> barn burners! <laughs> yeah. There, it's like watching paint dry. It's a low-scoring game in soccer these days. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then their only loss was their third game of the year. They were at the Colorado Teachers and they lost seven to thirteen. The teachers, man! I swear man. it's the math teachers that are always the worst playing those kind of games. Yeah. Well, and that game was played in Greeley, Colorado. Well, I think that the UNC that used to be because they were teaching be. school. I was yeah, wondering. For, I saw it was in Greeley. I was like, I wonder if it has anything to do with UNC. Um, but then finished the season uh, rattling off six straight wins, outscored their opponents 167 to 40 through those six wins. So they weren't all seven to six wins. No, huh? they weren't. <laughs> but that's your uh, that's your day in Colorado Buffs history. Nice, I love it. That's uh, today in Colorado's Buff history. Good job, Ryan. And uh, it seems like uh, uh, a lot of the years where CU does well. They start off kind of stumbling. Yeah. I mean, their national championship year, Colorado started 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So keep that in mind, kids, but uh, good job there. Homework for you, though, this, this week, Ryan. At what point did Ralphie join in? 
All right, I'll look into that. I okay. don't know if it's going to be matching up with the day in history. We'll find it. We'll find it. But I'll do, I'll, 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 do uh, I'll do Ralphie's day in history next week. How's, how's that? But uh, good show overall uh, today, guys. See you, big win, 48-42. And let's hope they keep it going next week. So until then, you stay classy, Boulder. We'll talk to you then. Let's go, Buffs. <laughs>